Hey guys, just real quick before we get this episode started. We now have a code for Win Reality. So if you want to do some umpiring in a virtual world and have an Oculus Quest or Quest 2, you can enter a code UMPMASK. Ump Mask. Put that in when you go to checkout. You get $5 off your first month of your Win subscription. And also, it's going to put you in an organization with other umpires like myself. We can show when reality how many umpires are using this system and now they can better build for us instead of us just using their software built for someone else. So U-M-P-M-A-S-K. Jump on there, get your subscription, get $5 off, and be a part of our team as well. Thanks so much. And now here's to the episode. You're listening to Both Sides of the Mask. Umpires getting together to talk what it's like on both sides of their mask. Creating a fun atmosphere for anyone who can relate to sports, life, and officiating. Good morning, everyone. Well, it's morning. I'm not sure if it's going to be morning by the time that you listen to this podcast, but we do want to say thank you so much for tuning into our podcast this morning uh, with both sides of the mask. We are here for anyone that wants to have a good laugh or two. We just want to hear... Tony be a special guest on my podcast at this very moment, where you just want to know a little bit more about officials and how they live day to day. Before we get started, I want to give a special shout out and thank you to our sponsors. We have Move Period down in Pensacola, Florida. If you have not checked them out, please do. Destiny Robinson and her team have been doing some great work and been giving some shout outs with their own work that they've been doing down in Florida with some clients that have been trying to get better motivated and get in shape. And you could definitely check them out on their Facebook page, their YouTube page, and also their website on move period. Uh, if you are a umpire, give them a shout out tag, tag us in it as well to let them know that you heard it from us. And as she always says on her, on her uh, website, move period diamond umpire Academy. They are officially done with their camps for the 2020 season. Please keep a lookout with them because on their DUA website, diamondumpireacademy.com, and also their Facebook page, they will have continuous clinics and updated camps and information that they'll be able to share. There's some great content that you can find on there. Christy Cornwell does a great job with the evaluators and clinicians that she provides and also all the information that she is distributing on her site. Lastly, we do want to give a nice little shout out to Tom Davis and his recruiting and sports forum. You can find him on Facebook and also on the sportathleteworld.com webpage. Tom does a great job and he's had many years of experience with getting athletes to the next level. And if you have a athlete in mind, give him a shout out. He's got a fair price, fair information that he can share to you. Other than that, Tony, welcome to my podcast. How are you today? Yeah, this is the time that you're going to actually say that it's mine. There's other times that you try to whenever I'm trying to pay for Brad to travel from one side of the country to the other. You're like, oh, it's your podcast. Tony. We've got to ask the boss. And so that makes it mine. But yeah, Tom Davis, you know, that getting that recruiting stuff in right now or just the recruiter that you have, you got to be like a year of D1 sports that are not going to be really doing recruiting. I guess there's been sporadic recruiting. But if you jump on both sides of the mass.com, Click on that get involved link there, and then you can find the other stuff that's going on with everything. Uh, a link to move period and also 
to Diamond Umpire Academy under get involved softball camps. Find that out and we'll get Tom Davis on there as well. But welcome, Amber, to Both Sides of the Mask. Hi, how are you guys today? (laughs) (laughs) Doing well. We're excited to have you and talk about some different aspects of your career through softball, the coaching side, umpiring, recruiting, all of that going on. I think you've been more involved in softball during the pandemic than you thought you might have been whenever everybody said, hey, it's time to stay home. Absolutely. Yes, we um, found probably March 12th, 13th from the NCAA and high school softball, but um, that became a good opportunity to start working with athletes on their skills personally. And then also talking about the recruiting side, which has been very difficult during this uh, COVID shutdown. So, You were mentioning about high school softball. When does high school softball participate in the Carolinas? Uh, They play in the spring. Um, We started uh, with scrimmages and stuff the end of February. And we only played two weeks, uh, the beginning of March. And so... I actually umpired two high school softball games and my daughter also participated in two games and then we were shut down. Oh man. Yeah. This, this whole pandemic has been an interesting uh, trial for all of us, you know, especially going through the uncertainties of like what we had to go through, especially with our seasons, uh, whether it was high school, whether it was college or whatnot, not to mention, you know, athletes at all around the country, they had to deal with this, not knowing what their future holds. But before we get too deep into it and how it impacted uh, not only you, but also like what you do uh, on a day-to-day basis, we kind of want to give a little bit of a background, Amber, of who you are, if you don't mind. Amber, tell us exactly where you're from. Uh, Give us a little background of like what sports you may have participated in. Some of your accolades, this is your time to shine and brag about yourself. All right. Thank you. Um, I'm originally from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I played, I did not start playing softball till I was, I was almost 12, but I fell in love with the sport and I ended up uh, playing softball at the division one level and graduated from Liberty University um, where I was a pitcher and I ended up teaching pitching lessons actually while I was still in high school and college And I also started umpiring during that time as well, which was definitely something different. Um, The only people my age uh, as a older teenager, early 20s um, that were uh, starting to umpire were guys. Um, I was one of the only females I knew doing that. Um, Did have one other uh, female athlete on my college softball team. Um, who also officiated a little bit. And I did it to earn a little bit of money and just be involved with the sport. And I actually fell in love with it. And I loved the intensity of being involved in that aspect of the game. I really liked learning the rules and the background behind the sport and kind of understanding it more. Um, I have taught pitching lessons since probably about 20, uh, about 20 years now, and also worked with some catchers. That's not really my forte, but anytime you work with a pitcher, you're going to end up working with a catcher. And I know that as an umpire, I have really learned a lot and feel like I have a lot to offer, uh, just general information to catchers about 
you know, what the umpire is seeing and been really beneficial for some of the girls that I work with on the pitching and catching side. Um, I also, because of my involvement um, in umpiring, I I actually went to a camp uh, to get sort of interviewed or audition, I guess, for the NCAA in 2011. And I got picked up uh, to work uh, pretty much all divisions at that point in time. And I've been doing NCAA uh, ever since then. And I am heavily involved in the youth travel ball elite showcase uh, scene throughout the country. So I, right now, I actually um, got involved with a little bit of recruiting. Mostly that's just because college coaches come to me and ask me questions about athletes that I either teach or I'm involved with. And also as an umpire, I think, you know, we get to see a lot of pitchers and players um, throughout the summer. And we probably have a pretty good idea of who is successful um, from an unbiased standpoint. Um, So I do get a lot of questions from college coaches, just sort of asking my opinion on athletes. And um, over the last few years, probably five years or so, I have gotten where I'm writing letters for athletes, um, just kind of as recommendation, uh, girls that I know who are, you know, good, hardworking athletes who I think are deserving. And right now with the pandemic, things have actually gotten really tough for athletes to get recruited. So I feel like my voice or advocacy for them is, uh, something that they need. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, a lot of things going on right now and finding your place kind of where you fit in with that. It seems like you've kind of found that out, you know, going to the camps and doing that. And like you said, when you're working with a pitcher, undoubtedly somebody's going to have to catch it because it would be weird to just throw it against a blank wall. I mean, <laughs> I guess you could <laughs> just got to watch for it to bounce back off. But I think that's all with the umpires. You know, we see what helps us out as an umpire, how we're seeing a pitch better, what a catcher may do whether she's standing up, whether she's flinching every time. That's easy things to get rid of and start really with the basics of how to do that part. And then going to camps and we've talked about a little bit of, of moving up and and what that plays into it. But what do you see as as a coach of a higher level team? Uh, I know that you've been doing the 16 and unders. What do you see? How has that helped you? be a better umpire on the field or be a better coach on the field. Maybe a play happens and then you take it out to the field. That communication that you can have with the umpire, how does that change that look of it? Um, On both sides, like I feel like I understand the game. I have a better understanding than the average coach. And I feel like I have a better understanding as an average umpire because um, I know Mike Rayner also coached and umpired. And I think, that's a a special place to be where you can have patience with umpires, even though they may be making bad calls. Um, You can also be smarter in uh, questioning their calls. You know what you can question and what, you know, what you can ask for and how to, you know, ask a question to the umpire. And then also um, just lineup card management on both sides of that. I think that's probably one of the toughest things for newer officials and newer coaches 
is not knowing how to run an actual lineup. And at an older level, especially 14s on up, a lot of the teams are in showcase style ball or where we never turn in a lineup card. And I think that's at a great disadvantage um, for the umpires, especially because they don't learn how to manage a lineup card. So I, I really have appreciated being on both sides of coaching and officiating because I know that doing both those things has made me better at what I'm doing and just have more patience, uh, both with my athletes and the umpires and just more understanding in general. I think you brought up a good topic there about the lineup card management, you know, anybody can pretty much go out there and call balls and strikes, whether you're a helicopter parent or if you're a spectator, or if you were a pitcher and catcher, you know, you being a pitcher, you know, I have experience with catchers and it's kind of funny how you brought up about the perspective of, of catching while you're teaching pitching. And I've actually had the opposite because I work with catchers and I'm learning more about pitching and their reactions and body mechanics and what to look for in spin and, and the release point. But going back to like I said, the, with the lineup card, it, it is a disadvantage because a lot of the umpires that want to try to move up or try to get to that next part of their life in the sport is that they don't understand that game management part. Like we go to these showcases and, you know, we're starting to get into these showcases with my oldest daughter She's in her second year of 14U. And yeah, there's zero management. Like, oh, I need a courtesy runner for my pitcher or catcher. It's like, oh, okay. It's like, there, there's just no, no uh, dictatorship on that or knowing exactly like who, the, you, we don't know what the honor system is with that because we don't know if that's the last recorded out. We don't know if that's a person off the bench. And it, it, it is a disadvantage because we do this as part, as the main part of our uh, management part and during the game is dictating who can come in and out, you know, are they doing it ethically and fairly? So I love how you brought that up. Now you, I've actually looked, uh, I looked upon on you a lot when it comes to the game management side, you do take it very serious. And I think a lot of umpires kind of look past this and don't take it as serious when it comes to their uh, officiating but that's one thing I do like about you is that you do study. You are always in the book. You're always looking to find better ways to, to better yourself, not only that, but to help others. Can, tell us a little bit about what you've been doing with helping umpires within your area. Well, um, we have over the last since 2013, I actually started. Um, I moved to North Carolina from Virginia and. Um, I started assigning uh, youth softball tournaments on the weekends and there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes because it's more than just booking the umpires. Um, it's answering their questions. It's calling them. It's mentoring them, answering questions. Um, I used to send out some PowerPoints um, that had different rule changes and addressing um, how to do lineup card management, which learned a lot of my lineup card stuff from Dora, which, you know, really, I don't know anybody else who has taught people on a big scale, like how to do lineup card management. And uh, there's a few other guys with USA softball out of Texas who have been very thoughtful in how to teach that. But 
I have kind of backed off a little bit on the booking of umpires, but I still book quite a few youth tournaments, uh, probably a couple times a month throughout this year. We played pretty much all of June, July, August. And in fact, uh, we just finished up our last weekend uh, yesterday. So a lot of it is going into the community and finding like ex-baseball players, uh, former baseball players, even girls softball players and asking them, hey, you want to make some money? And that is the sort of grab you have to get them with is that, hey, you can still be involved in the sport and you can make money doing it. And to me, it is so much more fun and involved than playing slow pitch. I did play slow pitch and even women's fast pitch as an adult. And I found that to be frustrating, to be honest, because it wasn't where I was as a collegiate athlete. So I wanted to continue bettering myself. And I know that if you are teaching somebody else, you're actually getting better yourself. So having a full understanding of the rule book or a full understanding of how to do the lineup is something that I really want to teach other people. I've really enjoyed letting guys start working 10s and 12s. And then within a couple of years, they've moved up and they're working elite softball and even, you know, trying out for Christie and, you know, now being division one umpires. So I have a few guys that started for me, well, quite a while ago now because they're in their twenties, but they started working for me when they were 15. And I think throughout the country, We've got to get to a point where we allow young boys and girls to get out there and officiate. They do in soccer and they do in volleyball. It's almost a requirement for them in those sports to be involved in the scorekeeping and the, you know, if you're a line judge or whatever you're doing. So I think it would be really great to get, you know, more youth athletes into the umpiring side and I know Liz you've gotten your own daughter involved in that which I think is super cool but it is very difficult to get people involved and I think for me I know as a female who's a mom it it is a big sacrifice um you've got to be able to give up nights and weekends in order to do that and I think a lot of people nowadays they just don't want to give up their nights and weekends to get yelled at. <laughs> so I do think if there was better training with the umpires, um, that they would feel comfortable there and then have more confidence and not get yelled at as much. If that answers your question. <laughs> no, I love it because you brought up some great topics there. One, yes, the, the youth definitely needs to get more involved. And I've had, several, several parents uh, in, the, in the past few months just talk about that. Like, you know, my daughter thinks it's so cool what you do. You know, I, I, I help my, my business partner and we just opened up a brand new building. I shouldn't say brand new building, but we just uh, signed a new lease with a, a building. And so she does pitching lessons. Her husband does hitting and fielding and I do speed agility and catching. But when the parents come in, they see and they know that I'm a college umpire. And they've seen some of the posts I've made and I've gotten my daughter involved and they'll ask me like, you know, how, how difficult is it? 
you know, we want to get our daughters involved. We want to get, you know, like I, I have some other brothers want to get involved in. I think it should be a requirement that some of these athletes should participate and, and get the feel of it to see if that's something that they want to participate. And like you said, make a few extra bucks. Like Natalie, my oldest, she's going to be 15 here soon. She started doing a few games this past fall and she enjoyed it. She was a little nervous behind the plate, but that's, that takes time. And you and I both know that it's a different animal when you're behind the plate versus when you're on the bases, but just to be able to make some extra cash, I mean, 40, 45, $50 a game. You can't do that going and working at, you know, McDonald's or working at, at Walmart. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, you don't get, you don't get to make that much money and it's tax free. You could walk away from a weekend making two, three, four hundred dollars. I mean, who does that? Oh yeah, without a doubt. You know, it's like a kid. They're still on their parents. They're a they're a dependent on there, so they don't have any taxes on that. They're not gonna ha- they're not gonna really probably make that much to have to file something on it. But just the experience that you gain from it as well, being a player, and then going and over and and checking out the umpiring part of it. And I think what scares a lot of them off is the way that the parents treat them. And and there's that soccer ref that talks about it and points out, you know, red flags, cheeseburger, uh, parent, (laughs) there you go. Cheeseburger parents that are just, just being silly out there. And I think it just scares so many kids away. And we just have to understand the kids are learning to play the game, but when we move umpires in, they're also learning how to officiate the game. We can put you out there on the field and, and expect greatness from you as a, as a parent. But if you don't know how to do it, you have no starting point. And that's what the starting point is at the youth level is teaching them how to do it. So let's respect those kids and give them a clap whenever they're making the call and give them a thank you. Man, I remember just even now as me getting a thank you when I walk off the field, you know, it makes you feel good. Imagine if you're a 12, 13, 14 year old kid that's getting that as well, getting praise from some other adult that you don't know. It's huge for you. So what'd you say, Amber, for you coaching uh, your parents on your team and, you know, you may get those bad calls or you may have those good umpires, both sides of it. What, what are you doing for your parents to make them aware of the officiating? Are we just cheering for the players or what are you doing as a coach to communicate with your parents? Well, one big thing that I've had a conversation with uh, to my athletes and the parents have been that, you know, as an athlete, we usually are only playing maybe two games a day. And the girls might say they're tired. Um, there's been a few weekends where we've actually had four hour and a half ball games in one day. And that has been exhausting. So my point to them has been, what if you had to be out here all day, every day, two or three days long or more, and you had six games to play? They look at me and they're like, what? And I'm like, well, that's what the umpires do. It's just an extremely exhausting job to have, especially when it's 95 degrees and a lot of the officials are older, but it really doesn't matter what age you are. It's exhausting to be at the ballpark all day, every day, multiple days in a row. And, you know, of course they're going to lose focus by later in the day. And there has definitely been times as a coach that I get completely exasperated with umpires. I hate bad calls just as much as everybody else. That's where I know that a lot of those guys are not being trained properly. They don't know what to look at. They don't know what they're doing. They don't even know what position to be at. They're just out there and 
I think most of them want to make good calls. I don't think anybody wants to make a bad call. They just have not been taught and they have not had the training that they need to be able to be in the right position or look at the right thing. I think there's a lot of discrepancy with the strike zone. Like what is the strike zone? So I had that conversation with college athletes during fall ball scrimmages. I've had division one coaches have me come in and talk to the athletes about what is the strike zone. Then I've had that same conversation with the travel ball girls. Um, and also talking to them about what is obstruction, what is interference. So they understand the game better when they start realizing that there's so many rules to keep track of and so many differences in codes uh, with the rules and what everybody perceives to be the correct thing. It's just crazy that if they, you know, if you open their eyes to, to what we see versus what they're seeing, even from like a perspective on the field, like angles and distances that people do become more, where that maybe being an umpire is harder than they think it is. So. And I think I can see coaches getting frustrated a lot with the strike zone. And like you said, everybody's interpretation of the strike zone. But what you have to keep in mind is that all levels, the strike zone is basically the same. Yes, the code changes a little bit. But as far as in and out, it doesn't, it, that part of it doesn't change. The plate is 17. <laughs> the plate is 17. <laughs> yeah. And I can understand at the 12U level that we can, you know, that it does get opened up a little bit because the skill level may change it. Otherwise, we'll be standing around and just walking around the bases, and that's not fun for anybody. But understanding what the strike zone actually actually is, and it's not my strike zone. It's not Liz's strike zone. It's not Amber's strike zone. It's just the strike zone that's in the book. And know the code that you're calling and call that. Some of them are the top of the zones, the armpit. Some of them is top of the ball at the sternum. Know which one you're calling and adhere to that. The other one that you mentioned is obstruction. And I think that we've talked about it like so long that everybody is confused on what we're supposed to be calling. And I think that's just plain and simple. Everybody is confused on what it's supposed to be. It's a little bit closer between the rule sets, but it's still not exact. And then you go from one bat and ball sport to another bat and ball sport, baseball, and their obstruction rule is totally different than what ours is. You know, we add a paragraph in or we take a paragraph out or a sentence out that doesn't say that doesn't grant a defender the right to field a thrown ball that we used to do in 2013, 2014. And we just got rid of it. And baseball still has it. And it's just weird when parents may have a son that plays baseball and then they have a daughter that plays uh, softball and they get mixed up between the obstruction rules and like, well, how come it's not like this and how come it's not like that? And. Does the fielder need to have the ball before she can block the plate? Does she, can she block it while she is? And what's access to the plate and so on and so on. And it's just crazy. And then you get on the coaching forums and then everybody is confused even there. And then as an umpire, we need to, if you're talking on the forums, be educational to those parents and to those coaches. We're not above them. We're trying to make this game great for everybody. Don't be condescending towards them. You may get the same question over and over, day in and day out. Somebody may not see any other post or even look to see if there was another post. Be considerate to them and just answer the question. Don't be a jerk. We already get thought of being a jerk all the time because we make calls that little Susie is no longer going to get to play at UCLA. She's not going to get to play at Arizona. She's not going to get to play at Michigan because we called her out 
on uh, the Super National Collegiate Showcase Exponential Foundation Championship (laughs) World Record holding game. And she slid in and she might have been safe. And the girl put a tag on her chest and she slid with her foot in the air and she called her out and she's so brokenhearted and she goes back to the dugout and she's crying and we ruined her whole career. I apologize. Tony, you just did that last week, didn't you? But yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I did it this week in my Oculus and virtual reality. And I'm just making all these virtual players just cry all the time. And so I can get all those feelings out. (laughs) But be be considerate of everything that's going on with the players. And I I bring up Oculus. Have you seen that yet, Amber? Have you seen what we've posted on our group pages? No, um, somebody actually asked me about that yesterday and I did not know what they were talking about. So... Well, you will have to get on and check it out and get educated. It's an awesome tool for the offensive side of the ball and how we're going to be able to adapt it to use it for uh, officiating and seeing the strike zone, both softball and baseball applications on that. So I'm excited about it. I've seen about a thousand pitches in two weeks. So is that a um, like my son has an Oculus, so. Is that like an, a game or an app or what is it? Yep, it's a game on there by Win Reality, And hopefully we'll have Carl on uh, here soon to talk about it from Win Reality. And you, have, you pay a monthly subscription to it. And so then they load it into your uh, Oculus headset. So you go on there and then uh, you can train as well. You can stand in the batter's box. You can stand in the zone. Shoot, I haven't left my house and seen a thousand pitches. Not saying that it's taking up for live action, mm. but yeah, I yeah, got it's, you. It's a kind of a neat little tool. And there's been a lot of, actually I shouldn't say a lot, but there's quite a few umpires out there that we're just now meeting that have an Oculus and have been using this and posting it. And we're hoping that this could be a nice little pandemic training tool that is cost efficient. You can purchase a monthly subscription, whether you want to sign a, your contract where you get uh, the monthly subscription at discount price, or you could just pay where you can cancel at any time, but it's kind of neat in that their software is continuously upgrading and they're based out of Austin first created the software for the offensive side perspective, started with baseball, then introduced softball because university of Texas is right there. And if you look through some of their uh, replays, they actually have some of the Texas players uh, in the circle pitching, it's a kind of neat little tool that I think that, again, it's it's very cost efficient. Yes, you you pay for the Oculus, which Black Friday is coming up here soon, but the Oculus is $2.99 and you can use it for many other tools and games and other activities. And you just said your son has it, which, hey, check it out and see like, you know, what, what, what you think of it. Um, I know Tony posts almost daily on some of the pitches and brags about me. He's seen a thousand pitches already. He's ready to do the world series tomorrow. Um. <laughs> hey, sign me up. Maybe I did the 2020. Nobody just got invited. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I think we all missed the 2020. <laughs> hey, Liz also on there uh, for you, Amber, if you go on to win reality, you can sign up. And then for the rest of this year, for the rest of 2020, you get it free till the uh, January 1st, 2021. Yeah, I saw that. That's pretty cool. So I will definitely have to look into that. And then also maybe 
my athletes who are 14, 15, mm -hmm. 16 years old, they might be very interested in this. <laughs> I think that this would be a great tool. And I'm glad Tony did bring this up is that I actually want to get a couple of these for the organization that my kids play for and have these athletes train for the offensive side. Not only that, since we're starting to open up some of these hitting leagues that our indoor building is processing, we're going to get some umpires in. And I, I told my business partner, Crystal, that this would be a great tool for both the offensive thinking of it and also for the umpires because we can have this tool and where they can train before they even step inside the cage and they can get some reps in, they can see pitches and they can, you know, determine what pitches are coming in, whether it's a backdoor curve, a screwball, a drop, you know, so you can have those settings and you can set it if you, if your athlete struggles with a specific part of the zone. Like, for example, my oldest daughter struggles with the the low outside corner, which is ironic because her mother struggles with the outside corner on a left-handed batter, um, but she's right-handed. <laughs> so it's kind of funny how things work that way. But you can find out like what strong suits that your athletes have and what are their weakest spots and they can work on it virtually versus, you know, just hacking at it with a pitching machine or you pitching to them inside the cage. And just like they're just getting mentally, physically and emotionally worn out, they can actually have like a mental breakdown and they can see pitches coming in without having to beat themselves up. So that's that's what I see as a as a top tier uh, advantage for them with this new software. Yeah, that sounds really cool. No, it's it's really awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'm very impressed with it. You know, not only, you know, with, you know, like I said, just being able to, to see the pitches, but it, I think it's going to be the next training tool that's going to be out there for for this. We don't know if we're going to have another shutdown or, you know, what's going to happen for our season. You know, we mentioned this, you know, many times. We, we don't know what the future holds. You know, these assigners are kind of up in the air at, right now. Like, we don't know what to do. The states that do have spring sports, they're not sure what they're going to do because everything has to go by what winter sports are, are allowed to do. Certain states are still shut down. Certain states have uh, limitations. So who's live streaming this stuff? I've streamed my live uh, win reality before. And then I know there's a guy named Kenny Boggs that's in Alabama. He streamed his live to our group. And then a lady in California, actually, she sent in the gear that she wore a very Extensive email. It's pretty awesome. Cindy Dale. But she's, she's, yep, she's been using it too. They sent in a uh, update last night to the Oculus and they've opened up training assignments for the softball side of it. So there's going to be training assignments that you can send out to your organizations, which is going to be awesome. Well, how about the recruiting part of it and your team that you have? You said you made some calls for them and you did some stuff for that. Are you teaching them how to write emails and communicate with these coaches in this period? I've noticed that a lot of coaches are either watching footage or they're reaching out to social media, a lot of everything that they can just look at because yeah, they're just searching social media. I'm not really recruiting. I'm just looking and seeing what's going on. How is that playing into you? So we gave our gir girls some guidance, Twitter accounts, or use any of their social media for their own recruiting process. Um, we do a YouTube channel for the softball team. I think with technology, they like to do it. They've been really good about learning how to even use, I mean, they can use Snapchat, they can use um, all their favorite little, uh, you know, TikTok, whatever. They can use that to record themselves practicing in a batting cage or off of front toss, um, all kinds of stuff. But a lot of it is since the coaches are seeing them through the lens of social media and a camera, 
they have to be very careful what they post and that can make the difference between them getting an offer and not getting an offer. Um, it looks like right now division one has been put off until April, which I really don't see them being able to recruit until after the world series. Uh, if there is one in 2021, normally there is a dead period until after the world series. So don't foresee them opening things up in April, but maybe they will. Who knows? There has been very light recruiting on the D3, D2 side. Uh, they are recruiting a lot, but they aren't out about like they usually are. Um, they are hosting camps uh, on their campuses. They do come out to some tournaments, but not as much as normal. So um, the biggest thing for the athletes right now is to show that they are working um, in the off season, that they are practicing, that they are doing all types of workouts in order to become a elite athlete. I think it's a good thing for coaches to see the progression of an athlete, you know, from the time they're like maybe in eighth grade until they get to be a junior, there's video proof of them proving, um, you know, and getting stronger. I think that proves that they are progressing and that they can continue to progress as they get into college. A lot of the recruiting right now, unfortunately, is college coaches, at least on the D division one side, is college coaches having to trust travel ball coaches and instructors for their opinion on an athlete, which is tough because you, know, you don't want to embellish. You want to be very honest. You want to be realistic with the coach if, you know, as to whether or not the athlete can be successful at the next level. So I think coaches are college coaches are in a bad spot right now. They're just having to go off of video and you know, put a lot of trust in travel ball coaches right now or recruiting services and things like that. Oh, it's, it's just crazy. And everybody's kind of learning along the same lines, but let's think about something for a minute. The quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, the quarterback right now for the Dallas Cowboys, there was an athlete unlimited player. All of those played at a D2 school. Avenues out there for you. If you want to play at the next level, get playing time in a D2, get playing time in a D3. There are some really good universities and some great educations that can be had at all division levels. And think about that. How many athletes are playing after they get, if they even get to play in college? Where, what are they doing after? And what does your degree say? Something else to kind of think about. They really have to be careful. Like, I think as a female athlete, your schooling has to be number one. And then right now the rosters are going to be so big. I mean, it's not going to be 25, you know, less than 20 players. You're going to have rosters of 35 or more. Well, it's going to be more than that. We talked to Tom, one of the recruiters, and it was like 100 on a team, uh, almost 70 players on a team. Just insane. It's absolutely crazy. Um, right now, from what I can tell, a lot of the kids that got signed recently or verbaled recently, these are just verbal agreements with no money, no financial package. So, I mean, I think kids have to make that decision and parents have to make that decision to go somewhere where they can afford the school 
And if, you know, I think playing softball is an amazing opportunity to get to play any college sport, but you have to figure that out. Like, is that financially responsible for that family? So just some tough decisions to make. You're definitely right about the D2 and D3 schools. They're, they're not really at some of these showcases. They are, but they're also, you know, we, we have to think at other side of like what they're dealing with. They also have to deal with financials. They have to deal with like what they're allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do from the financial standpoint. Now, you know, some of the showcases that I, I was participating in for, uh, with, you know, my daughter playing, you know, it would say showcases that D2, D3 schools are going to be there, but you would see maybe a handful the whole weekend. You know, it's not something that was like, a, a, the, expect, the expectations were high, but the presence was very low. And we follow one of the Furman assistant coaches, and he follows our page as well. And he put something out there that was a little intriguing. And I've been asking a few people to, to just their thought process on it was, he said, we should be thankful that there's a dead period that's going to be lasting that long because we won't have men's and women's college basketball. If we didn't have this, then they wouldn't have their season. And he didn't go into detail about it, but it makes you think, okay, so if they didn't have this dead period, that means all these coach coaches are going to have access to these kids. They're going to be going to see these kids. They're going to be going to these showcases. And they're so worried about this COVID spreading. Think about how many headcount coaches that are not there anymore. How many kids aren't participating, going to college visits. And it's stopping the so-called spread. And I'm not going to get into all that politics with that. But Oh, come on. I know, right? But, I mean, it, it, it kind of made you think. I was like, okay, that makes sense. you know. But in order for those athletes to have a season and a postseason, they had to do something. And it's not just softball that's, you know, the taking the, the brunt of this. You know, all spring sports are, are, are affected by this. All sports are affected by this. So it, it's good to hear from a college coach to, to say, hey, this is what's going on. But then, you know, we have a coach in Ohio that's at Division One level. He's like, how else are we supposed to communicate with these athletes and trust that this is exactly what they're doing and trust their coaches of what they're doing? And we have to go by word of mouth. He's like, I miss being able to visit and see these kids face to face, not just through the social media. So you have two different sides of things. And it's just amazing, like how th there's just a, a different perspective of like how everything is going on with the, the recruiting process. And Amber, you know, I'm just scratching the surface with, with my, my kids, you know, because, you know, my daughter, she's a freshman and my other daughter, seventh grade. So I, we're not going to be able to see our turnaround on this until another couple of years or so, but it's amazing. What are they going to do with these kids that were validated for a fifth year? And then there's possibility of some of these kids might get another year. It's like, it's just crazy. So what are they going to start doing? Start offering varsity and JV on these teams or like, what do you start thinking about? Oh yeah. What are you preparing these kids for? There's a lot of schools around here in North Carolina that actually Virginia, North Carolina and South Carolina, because that's where I work and live out of, but they have, I term uh, the JV team on their division three schools because they have so many athletes who want to come play there. So they've formed two ball teams and the girls literally try out all fall and then they get placed on a team in the spring. So, you know, it, 
seems that parents would rather their children be involved in a sport and have a focus rather than just attending the school and not having that involvement. So I do think there's a lot of really great positive things that can come from being involved on a softball team, even if you're not being given financial aid for that. Um, But it is a very interesting situation. Yeah, this is, it's going to be interesting and hopefully it filters out once they get everything cleared out. You know, I, I see a lot of 2022 pitchers that just signed, like we have a, a, a girl that is within our organization and she just signed with Akron and Toledo offered her, but they said they can't offer anything to October, then boom, shut down. And she went with Akron. Well, you know, after she dropped, you know, dropped everything in front of her, you know, it was just a better situation of what was offered to her. But I love how you said that, you know, a degree is a degree. It doesn't matter what's in front of you. We've seen the memes out there. We've seen some things that have been posted on social media. It's like, you know, it, they'll say, like, it's not just because you're a D1 athlete. I am a college athlete. And the D1, D2, D3, NAIA, and JUCO is just the backside of it. You're still going to get a degree. And I love how you pointed out that as a female athlete, it's unfortunate but it's fortunate but they have to focus on their academics because we're not there yet to where the athletic side for females have the return value compared to a male in 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 male athletics now will we see that maybe we may see that you know by time you know the end of our lifetime but it's progressing and i think it's going in the right direction and eventually it'll get to that point where these female athletes will have the same respect and same regards when it comes to being athletes at the professional level. But we have to make sure we put that in their heads. Softball and these sports that you participate in isn't forever. You have to be able to earn your way through being an athlete by taking care of the important things like your academics, because like many athletes, we get injured. Many athletes, you know, we may, you may find out an athlete may be so overwhelmed by the time their sophomore year that they're like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do what's expected of me and be able to have my academics as a, as a prime focus. So we have to teach them young that academics come first. It's a privilege to play. Absolutely. Getting off the topic of, of, of softball, which, you know, we love talking about. I mean, Amber, Tony, you know, we can talk about this for hours on, on out. Amber, is there anything like that you do besides softball, you know, that, that keeps you entertained while you're not on the softball field. You know, is there anything that you're, you're into? Like, like I'm into powerlifting, I'm into CrossFit uh, training. What, what keeps you busy while you're not talking or doing softball? Um, well, I have three kids and um, my daughter plays volleyball, runs cross country, and she also plays high school basketball and softball. Um, and then my son plays soccer my younger son, my older son is not involved in sports anymore, but um, he graduated high school this past year. I love running. I used to be a very big uh, road race runner and cross country runner. Um, That is kind of one of my loves in life is running, but my knees are not so great anymore. And so I can't do that as much. But I teach pitching and some hitting lessons uh, here and there. Uh, That, of course, is still with the softball stuff. Um, But I love going to the gym and working out. I don't really have time for TV or anything like that. Uh, I work 
at a school. Um, I work as a substitute teacher and I do before and after school care. Uh, so I love just being with kids and um, it's kind of showing them to love life and enjoy interacting with each other. Um, and then I also, because of all this COVID stuff, I got a job at Tractor Supply. So I work there a few days a week. That was supposed to sort of cover for not having volleyball because I referee um, high school volleyball and uh, do lines for college, which I have not uh, had any college lines yet this year. But last week I had my first high school volleyball JV varsity match and I have another one tonight. So I'm kind of excited about that. We're just happy that we're able to play. That's a lot going on and embracing the journey, as Christy said in one of the episodes that we had and moving through the coaching world, moving as a player, moving as an umpire, always embracing that journey that you've gone through and that you're that you're taking on. There's nothing more impactful to your life than having all those situations that you can look back on and go, hey, this is great. Taking all those events in your life and putting those into practice and embracing all those journeys that you have, because there's nothing bigger in our life and our journey as the things that we've come before and that seasoning that you get. You know, you may think that you're ready. And I thought that I was ready for some bigger game situations and only turned to find out that, yeah, probably wasn't ready. And the other journeys that I've had have led me up to where, okay, I can handle some big situations and go through it on the umpiring field on handling other situations at work. I got to be better sometimes about handling my emotions when I'm at home and learning all the horse stuff, but that comes with time still taking that journey. <laughs> well, Amber, it's been awesome to have you on here today and learn a little bit more about you and, and what it looks like for an umpire coach, mom recruiter. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you guys today. Yeah, well, we look forward to continuing to have these interviews. And I'm glad that Liz let me be on her podcast today uh, with you, Amber. So that was a great enjoyment for me. <laughs> All right. Well, I really, I really do appreciate you guys letting me uh, talk and um, share my experiences with you guys and everybody who's listening. So it's kind of a cool thing that you guys are doing here. I really, and I, I love listening to your podcast, especially when I'm driving because I drive a lot. So it's been kind of a cool thing to get to know uh, some umpires and people involved in all the stuff that I didn't know. Yeah. And I remember Liz, we had a request on Facebook about telling something about ourselves. We haven't done that in a while and give kind of our accolades and why people should even listen. So some of us know us that have kind of listened before. And now we know a little bit more about Amber. So Liz, tell us a little bit about you. Where did you get started with softball and what do you have going on? We know you, you like to power lift, but what else do you have? Why should we even listen to your opinion? Because it's the right opinion. <laughs> no, I mean, just like Amber, I was an athlete in college, you know, so I started at Kent State University and then umpired a little bit then. And I got involved with umpiring in my late 20s while I was working full time and my mentor came in where I was working and still fully dressed in 
the uniform and attire. <laughs> so that's how I got started. I just asked, I just asked, hey, how, how can I start making a little bit extra money? Just want to get involved in the sport. I miss it a lot. My kids were young. Mind you, when I first started, my kids were, I think they were around, you know, four, two or five and three. And then I uh, got myself involved in rec, rec league and some tournaments and uh, the tournaments were involved in Ohio and Michigan. Went down to Florida at Clearwater and got myself in front of some assigners at all levels at a showcase tournament. This was almost 10 years ago. What do you know? No, 10 years ago, eight years ago, nine years ago. I can't count. I didn't say I could count. I'm an umpire. Doesn't mean I can oh, count. Oh, you carry an indicator. Exactly. That, the clicker. <laughs> yeah, my bad. But that's how I got started. But like, you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I've worked my way up, you know, it, and yes, I, I've, I've achieved a lot. There's a lot of things I would still love to do outside of the college level. You know, I still would love to do a JUCO national, would love to do uh, 18U gold, 16U gold in Oklahoma City. I would love to do that. I would love to eventually get into uh, international. Uh, I've done some NPF for the Pro League, which was the Athletes Unlimited edition for this past summer that for, because of the COVID. Yes, I've done some postseason at the D2 and D1 level. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm not the type that likes to, to boost up my accolades, you know, because I, I love the turnaround of being able to help other athletes and officials to make their goals, to be able to obtain their goals, I should say. And um, I know, Tony, you have done some wonderful things at, at the officiating level. Yeah, a little bit of my background. I uh, grew up playing and then played through high school. And then I started coaching my little brother's team uh, while I was still in high school because uh, he's nine years younger than I am. And then uh, church league softball. And then all the ladies on the co-ed team and the women's team kind of got pregnant because we all got married. And so they all quit playing. And then the men's kind of fell apart. And there was a guy that umpired us. And I always would get irritated at him because he wouldn't move. And there was something that happened in the game and he came out through our dugout. We may have been the winning side. I don't know. Or maybe he just wanted to pop off at me. So he chirped at something, chirped something at me. And I said something back to him. He's like, you know, you're the only, only player that I ever have any problems with. And I said, well, you know, you're the only umpire that I ever have problems with. And he was probably 25, 30 yards away from me. And he turned around and he ran towards me and he gets right up in front of me. And I said, you know, I would never have a problem with you. Hustle like that on the field. He goes, well, I'd like to see you do it. So here I am. And started calling rec league stuff and moved up into high school. And somebody said, hey, go to a college camp. And I said, what the heck is a college camp or umpiring camp? But got there and uh, also hooked up with the um, mentor that Liz had and moved me on to also Dora, who we mentioned earlier in this, and moved up and started working for Dora that, that year. And I uh, got moved up into the Big Ten uh, like Liz and now the big 12 and sec non-conference. And so I've done uh postseason in, in division two, um, at the national championship, which was over there by you, Amber, I was in Virginia. So that was really cool, um, to do that and just continuing to grow and find new ways to teach. And I'm always analyzing film and looking at that. And that's how I learned to officiate was watching video in front of the TV and, sitting down with a mechanic book and looking at the rule book and I was like, Hey, are they in the right spot? Are they where they need to be? Are they making the right calls? Is that the right rule interpretation? And yeah. 
So maybe we'll have to be better about doing that kind of thing, Liz, and let people know that kind of joined in towards the back end and didn't look listen to the front part of the episodes that we have because the sound quality was not what it really is now. So keep trying to get better at that. And then um, I work at a leather company and do YouTube videos and website management and so on and so forth. And I have two daughters and a beautiful wife who um, I seem to irritate all the time because that's what I'm really good at. Uh, if it was paid profession, I'd be a millionaire, but it's not. So just irritate. I think that's what we all do. If we're like really <laughs> invested, especially in uh, something like sports officials or coaching, it definitely irritates our other half because we are so invested and our time is just too busy. We have no time for anything else. Yeah. So make time for your family this week and love on them. Maybe not irritate them. Just let them know that you're there for them. Maybe we can all get along. But once again, we are so glad that you joined us. Jump over to www.bullsidesofthemask.com for more information there. There's um, all the interviews and all the episodes are on there and links to uh, the other sponsors that we have on our show. Over on Facebook, you can find our group that we have now and uh, see some of the live Oculus videos. And if you have one and you're doing the win reality, just go into that menu and you can stream live to that group channel. That's why I kind of put that there where you guys can communicate back with us. We appreciate you joining us. And until next time, be excellent.